Hey, this is Israel. Here at the river, we're all about the message of the gospel of peace. That the Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel or the good news of peace. So we have good news for you. The war is over. God is not angry at you. God is in love with you. And you can have peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we hope this message is a blessing to you. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com for more. Hallelujah. Before we get started, we're going to make another announcement. Uh, uh, next Sunday, excuse me, uh, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after next. Remember the announcement we made last week? Okay, I'm going to make that announcement again. Uh, we're on a series called Taking the Limits Off of God. And we've talked about knowledge and vision and how knowledge brings the proper vision. If you have the proper knowledge, you have the proper vision. That vision is going to bring proper alignment. And alignment is what we're talking about next week. And the way I paraphrased this or communicated this was this, is that if you don't want to know how to get the almighty, awesome God working through your life and power and strength so you can experience in your everyday life, don't come. Okay? Don't come. If you don't want to know how to experience God in your everyday life to the point that you have so much love that you have to tell somebody else about Him, don't come. Do yourself a favor. If you're going to miss during the month, miss that week. And your schedule of missing church, go, I better miss that week because they're going to teach us how to have almighty, powerful, awesome God working through our life every day of our life. You see what I'm saying? So if you don't want that happening, you need to miss it. Okay? But if you want it, so that's what we're talking about in two weeks to come, not next week, but the next week is how is talk about the proper alignment. You know, knowledge. It's the proper, see, wrong knowledge will cause you to not have, it will cause you to limit God. Wrong knowledge will. Okay, wrong vision. If you don't see yourself the way God sees you, if you still see your past more than your future, wrong vision will keep you from experiencing God. It will limit God in your life. And wrong alignment. If you're not in line, if you're not in the right place, doing the right things, even though you have right knowledge and right, right vision, and your alignment's off, you're not going to flow in the river. Everybody say the river. river. There's a reason we call our church the river because the scripture says if you believe in the scripture, as, as, if you believe in Jesus as the scripture says to believe, rivers of living water will flow out of you. Amen. Just not the preacher. Right. It'll flow out of you. Makes me want to preach. I guess it's my turn anyway, isn't it? Hallelujah. All right. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. We call upon you right now to do what you do best. In a way that only you know how to do, take the words that I speak and what's in my heart, have it come out in a way that everybody in here is inspired and fed by your word this morning. Open the eyes of our understanding. Take the information that we've heard over the years and transform it into revelation so we can be transformed on the inside not just changed on the outside i pray holy ghost that something happens in each and every person here this morning on the inside 
Jesus, you came to heal the brokenhearted. We surrender our hearts to you. Along with all the information we've ever heard, we surrender to the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this room this morning. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. This is such a fun season for me. Uh, uh, Christmas and Easter just are not a normal holiday. They used to be a normal holiday, but when, the more revelation I have about God's Word and what really took place, the more excited I get. And, and I don't even have grandkids. You realize how excited I'd be if I had grandkids? But maybe it's because I don't have grandkids yet. Yet? yet. Everybody say yet. 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 No, I think it's <laughs> no, we won't put that on him. <laughs> But uh, maybe it's because I don't have grandchildren to take my mind off of other things. But I can. But I tell you what, the more I learn about the Word and what God's doing in the Word and what He's done in the Word. And, you know, I used to have a, a, a what do you call that, PowerPoint that showed uh, a dot to dot. Everybody know, remember what? Oh, yeah, there's no young people in here now. There's a couple. But the, the young people nowadays don't know what a dot to dot. They got books, dot to dot. You know what I'm saying? Remember back in the olden days when we... We used to, you get to go, and you try to figure out what it was before you got done with the dots. Hardly ever did you finish, once you knew what it was, it wasn't fun no more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, rarely did I ever see anybody dot, 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 and then color. You know, no, let's go to the next one. Well, see, it's almost like you got it figured. No, the fun was, oh, what is it? I don't know, let's figure it out. Oh, I know what it is next. You were to the book. And see, that's almost what happens in our Christianity and, and going to church. It's, it's like, oh, you think you got it figured out. And I used to have this uh, PowerPoint that showed this picture. It's a bunch of dots. I made it up myself, too. I, you know, so I've, you know, and it showed the little line going to dot to dot, and everybody's up there. What is it? What is it? What is it? Well, it's an outline of Jesus coming out of the tomb like this, you know. And once you got the dots, and I says, but then as I kept talking, I says, but, but once you get the, the, the outline, you don't go to the next page. The Holy Spirit, in, in my lifetime, what has happened is the Holy Spirit has, it just wasn't about the information of what it was. He started coloring in the picture. I saw the picture just begin to come alive, you know, in color. And, and once you think you got it all colored in, you know what the next step was in my life? He made it 3D. I mean, he had that coming, that coming at you look. You know what I'm saying? Like on the movies. And this is way before they had that 3D. This is my, I mean, and I got this picture in my mind of Jesus coming off the page. It came real. And then Jesus began to move. See, see, sometimes in Christianity, we just go, this, story, this topic, this topic, this topic, this topic, and go, I know it all. No, you don't. And so in my lifetime, what the Holy Spirit has done, he's begun to... He colored it in. He began to put shadowing on it. He began to make it 3D. And now he's got the audio going. I mean, it's such a cool. Man, out of one picture, there's so much life. And, uh, and so this morning, I hope to share some of that, the coloring and some of the shading and some of the 3D aspects for you. Uh, if you've never seen some of this, we're not going to talk about all of it because I got something on my heart. I got to get out. But uh, uh, we're going to start. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to need this here. Um, I don't know how to do this. Uh, this is Palm Sunday. And everybody comes, and next week's Easter, and everybody comes, and they just, you know, they just, 
Oh, okay, I, I know what Easter's about. No, you don't. And see, all, all of history is looking toward, see, we, we see Palm Sunday as just one of these events in the Bible that took place, kind of like the nativity. Oh, it's just a, just one. No, no, you need to understand that Palm Sunday, let me explain it this way. Throughout history, the children of Israel, they celebrated Passover. It was one of the events. Once they came out of Egypt, and they were to get them out of Egypt, they had to be passed over by the shedding of the blood of the Lamb. And they were the type and shadow of our, our salvation, a type and shadow of Calvary. And as we're going to read this morning, we're going to see that when Jesus came in the eastern gate and they, they began to lay the palm branches down, that's why it's called Palm Sunday. It's because they celebrated by taking... The disciples had palm leaves like this and they were flagging in the air. Some people took their, their, some of their garments and waved it and laid it down at the feet of the donkey as, as Jesus said on the donkey coming into the eastern gate before he gets to the eastern gate. And then you have all the disciples, excuse me, you had, and what's really fun is when you look in all the Gospels, they each have a little different event about each of this event, a little different. One says, the Pharisees said, tell your disciples to be quiet. Another one says the whole city turned out. Another one of the gospels said the whole city and the Gentiles that came to worship at Passover. See, Passover was the, it was the, it was the season of seasons. There was, the whole year rotated around this one event. This one event, there was a season, like a season of Christmas with one event. They had Passover and there was a season and the coming in of the, uh, this Palm Sunday is when Jesus was coming in the eastern gate. And I stopped and asked the question, because I heard for years, what was the big deal? Why were the Pharisees, the most religious people, why were they out there with the disciples of Jesus? Why was the whole city turned out and the Gentiles that had come to celebrate? Why was all Jerusalem outside the city watching Jesus come in the Eastern Gate? I couldn't figure it out. What business was it to the Pharisees that Jesus was coming in on a donkey? Why would they be worried about how loud the disciples were See, for a thousand years, whether they were in Jerusalem or in tabernacle, in tent, to celebrate Passover, they had a lamb. And the lamb would come in the eastern gate to start the season of Passover. And some of us believe that the only reason the Pharisees were out there were they were to, came to celebrate the coming in of the lamb to be slain. And Jesus was right behind the actual Passover lamb because he's the lamb that is to be slain. And instead of that lamb getting the praise, Jesus was getting all the attention because the people knew what the Pharisees didn't know. You see what I'm saying? God was setting this up. He had set this up. You know, and, and so this whole process of Jesus coming in 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The very same thing that they would say to the, the Passover lamb as the lamb would come over. They would say this over. But the disciples were giving all that praise and all that glory to Jesus as he came in. For three days, the Passover lamb would go into Jerusalem and be inspected by the Pharisees or the, the priests for spot and blemish. For three days, Jesus was inspected for spot and blemish. When, when, when they decide that the, the lamb has no faults and no blemishes, you know what the priest does? <coughs> I find no fault. And what did the Roman government say when they inspected Jesus? They washed their hands and said, I find no fault. I believe, I believe. I don't have scripture for this. I don't need scripture for this. I believe, along with some others, that if you had a split screen and you could see the priest doing this, that at the same time the priest's hands hit, you'd see the Roman government's hands at the same exact moment in time. How do we know this? Because when the Roman government did this, then they sent it back to the priest because they weren't there to watch it because they were doing this to the lamb. Most incredible, the, the, the Holy Spirit starts showing me all these things that took place. Here's something, you ever heard of the scapegoat? You know what they do with a scapegoat? In Jewish culture, they would lay their hands on the head of the scapegoat. The, the, the head of the household would lay their hands on the head of the goat and transfer the sins of the whole family that that person represented on the head of the goat. And then they would release it into the desert so it could go and die. It would take the sins away. Well, the scripture says Jesus became sin who knew no sin, that he died for the sins of the whole world. Well, when were there any hands laid on Jesus' head? Did the priest ever lay their hands on his head and transfer the sins? See, if you can't find it anywhere you know why because if the priest would have laid their hands on the head of jesus they he would have, they would have transferred the sins of the jewish people and not the whole world but who were the only ones that touched the head of jesus the romans when they took the crown of thorns and took the crown of thorns why Romans? Because they represented the whole world at the time. They were the overseeing government of the whole world. They represented everyone. And they transferred the sins of the whole world onto the head of Jesus. So he took on all the sin of the world. Man. Man. Those little, those little facts just make it come alive. It's just like, oh my goodness. Some of the, see, Jesus is known as the Lamb of God and the, our high priest. Not only did he do the things that went through what the Lamb went through, he also did what the priest did. I mean, there were things that, that the priest did that Jesus said. We're not going to get into all of them, but there's so many of them. You know, when, when, when the lamb's neck is cut and the blood is shed and the lamb is laying there dying, the priest says, it is finished. Jesus hanging on the cross. What does he say? It is finished. 
Now, see, this is, this is going to be kind of like a movie. You ever watch a movie where they start in on the middle of a story, and you're going, hmm, that really doesn't all make sense. And all of a sudden, they stop, and you see a guy think, and it's like, then they go back backwards in time. And they go way back over here to make the, to, to make the story that the movie's about, to make it make sense, they've already got you hooked. You're watching. Oh, watch this. Oh, this is the past. And then they go back into time. See, over here, if I put the tree right here, you need to remember, in Genesis chapter 3, there was a promise by God. See, in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was that form and void. And God had a plan for the earth, and everything that he created and everything in it, he had a plan for it and a purpose for it. And he put man in that garden so man could subdue and take charge and gave man authority and gave man a will. And in the garden over here, man was deceived by a serpent. And man was activated by God's will, turned his back on God's will and said, not your will, but mine. And this happened in the garden. And he did what God told him not to do and surrendered that authority over to another existence. And after that point, God says, hmm, because man's done this, God spoke to the serpent and says, I'm going to put an enmity between her seed and your seed. Speaking to the serpent. At that time, watch this, at that time, God made a promise to all creation. God made a promise just not to man, but made a promise to the serpent, made a promise to the spirits in heaven, the fallen spirits. God made a promise to the very ground and animals and trees and herbs of the field because man subjected them to another rule and reign. They were under God's rule and reign. And because man said, not your will, but mine. See, the earth became under man's rule and reign. And so the first Adam turned his back on God's will and chose his will. And subjected the earth to all this corruption. The first thing that came up from the ground after God cursed the ground for man's sake was what? Anybody know what it was? Say thorns was a sign of the curse. What was the crown of thorns made out of? What was one of the first things dipped in blood? Redeemed by the blood. Jesus shed his blood seven times, not just once, but seven different places in his life where he shed blood to redeem what touched it. In the garden, he swept by the what came off his brow? Blood. What, what did Adam have to sweat by? His brow. Because of the curse. Redeemed. The blood redeems. But see, you need to look back over here. Chapter 3. God spoke of a promise. The coming of a Messiah. The Savior of, just not man, but the whole world. All of creation. And from this point on, all the way to this point where Jesus is coming. Listen, the, I was, I, I, I was, 
there were some people coming in early, and they were saying, I can I, I got to, listen, you don't understand the magnitude of this week. You don't understand. We take it so for granted, just like the nativity. We take it just, oh, it's just a good little Christmas story. Oh, no, it's not. All of creation had been waiting for the manifestation of the seed of Eve to come forth and redeem them from the curse. All of this has taken place, and here it is. This is it. This is the day that all creation had been waiting for. And we just come to church and go home. That's not a good history lesson. To show you how important that this is, listen, what do they say B.C. stands for? And what does A.D. stand for? After what? Death! His death, his Calvary, even time was waiting to be changed. Even the existence of the cosmos, time itself, changed at Calvary. Because in the beginning is a reference to time. In the beginning of time, even time was cursed. That's why we're supposed to redeem the... Oh. We're supposed to redeem it. It's already, it was deemed cursed. The ground was deemed cursed. We're supposed to redeem. Man was deemed in sin. We need a redeem. We need a redeemer. Jesus is our redeemer. He redeemed us worthy instead of unworthy. I was reading the scripture today. Y'all missed an opportunity right there to shout. But anyway, I was reading the scripture today, and I, I'm a, I've got to run this by Pastor John, but, but I know what it was saying, and it just says so good. It says, listen, it talks about those that were called to be children of Israel, his special people, and those that weren't called. And the ones that weren't called to be his special people are now called his sons. Come on now. I said, I said, wait a minute. Is that saying that there was a group of people called his special people, but the ones that weren't called his special people are now called family? Come on. See, you weren't called to be the children of God. I mean, the sons of Israel, his special people. You were called to be children of God. Sons, joint heirs with Jesus. He was the first of many brethren. And see, all this was because of Calvary right here. All of history was waiting. Everything that they'd ever done. See, once Adam did what he did, God was at war with sin. He didn't create it. It wasn't there in the beginning. It says Satan sinned in the beginning. God didn't. And so once that happened, God was at war with sin. So he had to bring the second Adam. His son was manifested as the son of man, the second Adam, to take the place of the first Adam, to do what the first Adam could only, that he screwed up. So that's why the second Adam had to stand in the garden and say, not my will, but yours. See, he turned his back 
See, Jesus, just like Adam turned his back on God's will, this is the way Adam was, and he turned his back on it and said, no, it's man's will. Jesus, the second Adam, turned his back on man's will and gave it back to God's will. Not my will, but yours. All happening in the garden. One sweating sweat and one sweating blood because the blood redeems. Come on. Oh, the blood. The blood redeems, church. See, Calvary is not the end. Excuse me, it's not the beginning of something. Calvary is the end of something. The scripture says that Jesus hung on the cross. He said, it is finished let me stand over here he said it is finished he didn't say i am finished he said it is finished what does that mean that see the cross is the sign of something coming to an end all i, I know i've said it before but you got all these crosses i don't want to listen i I'm not saying, listen, we don't get our victory from the cross. We get our victory, we're going to find out next week, from the resurrection, from the empty tomb. you got to have a cross. you got to have a crown to have a resurrection. But it's not even about the cross. It's not even about the resurrection. All this was done so we could have the promise of the Father manifested on this earth. To walk in fullness. I tell you what, that is so powerful. But what we need to understand is that, let, let me read some scriptures to you. Uh, turn with me to the book of Romans. Some of you probably thought I wasn't going to read the scripture. That's all right. Look at the book of Romans. Chapter 8. Now we're going we're gonna to do a little, we're going to try to talk about, I'm, I'm going to put this right here as just a point of reference. Is that okay? Romans chapter 8. <laughs> now see, see, now don't read ahead. You're not reading ahead. I didn't even tell you what verse. But you, 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 you said it so quick, I know what verse you was on. You didn't get too far down. Listen, over here's creation. Got it? And there was a law that came forth. What well, we need to understand that all the laws in between that law and Calvary, including the Ten Commandments, and all the ceremonial ritual laws, they did one thing. Separate man from God. The very same law that God said, Thou shalt not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when man broke it, what did it do? It brought separation. See, I heard for years that, Ah, oh, sin will separate you from God. It will if you're under the old covenant. See, under the old covenant, your sin separated you from God because God was at war with sin, but loved man. Because he loved man, his created man, he loved man so much, he said the Messiah was going to come to redeem man from sin. So he had to make a man, a second Adam, so he could be sin, be born into sin, and redeem what Adam had given up. 
and pay the price. He said that this son of his that became man would take on all man's sin. Now watch this. Over here is what is called the law of sin and death. And we get into this on Wednesday night in much more detail, okay? But let me just give you a paraphrase real quick. Over here, all the laws that took place on the planet were under one great big law. I'm going to call it the Ace of Diamonds. You ever play hearts? Ever play spades? You know, these are card games where there's one suit that trumps all the other suits. Even a two of hearts will trump an ace of diamonds. You know what I'm saying? It's more powerful. And so this law over here called the law of sin and death, all, of, all the laws, it's like the ace of diamonds. All the other diamonds are underneath it. I should say clubs because, you know, you beat with the club. I like clubs. I like, I like clubs, the ace of clubs. Because what do you do with people? You beat it. Now, what do you do with the law? You beat them. The ace of stones. It's a new card deck. So the, the, the key, the, the, not the king, but the ace, the, the, the dominant law in this series of law, this, this time of law, was the, called the law of sin and death. And if you broke the law, you die. Any of them. Okay, that's the law of sin and death. Over here in the new covenant, there's a different law. It's called the ace of hearts. Love. Got it? The symbol for love. The ace of hearts trumps the ace of clubs. It's more powerful. See, there's laws in the new covenant that weren't in the old covenant. Over here there was don't do this, don't do this. Over here it's the perfect law of liberty. You have the law of faith. You have the law of Christ's righteousness. We are not of those who practice lawlessness because we have laws that govern us under a covenant. A new covenant has laws. You can't have a covenant without laws and guidelines. We do. It says, it, the scripture actually tells us to speak and so do as those that are being judged according to the law of liberty it doesn't say ten commandments it says the law of liberty so this law here let me just read so i painted that for you let me just read this in in romans chapter 8 there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us what? Free. Free! From the law of sin and death. This law has made us free from this law. Man, this law trumps this one. Even the smallest of a heart will outdo the greatest of these. You know what the scripture says about John the Baptist? This has to do with your person. Scripture says this. It says that out of all the men born of woman, I think that's all of them. Yeah, yeah. Is that all of them? Sure. I don't think there's any man that's not born a woman, so that <laughs> means all men. That John the Baptist was the greatest. Now, wait a minute, let me do it. See, John the Baptist was 
over here. Out of all the men born of woman, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of all. But the least in the kingdom is greater than he. You know why? This was God's special people. This are his children. His children are greater than his special people. You don't want to be God's special people. You want him to be your father. You're his children. And he's promised his children. See, he provided he provided, he, he provided for his special people, but he promised his children. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. Oh, oh. He provided for his special people in the old covenant, but he promised his children. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is already ours. The promises of God are yes and amen. Jesus hung on the cross. He said, it is finished. What was he talking about? He's talking about the law of sin and death that the old covenant was wrapped up in all the way back to the garden. All law was taken out of his way and your way we just don't know it and that's why it's our responsibility to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of heaven excuse me the kingdom of heaven through the gospel of Jesus Christ most people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ but they hadn't heard about why the kingdom of heaven Jesus said thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven man I tell you what that's powerful let me read the rest of this for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Say sinful man. man. You've got to remember, in the beginning, God made Adam in His likeness. God, I'm going to say this again. He made the first Adam in his likeness, and he made the second Adam in man's likeness and put him in a garden. I tell you what, that's, there's so many things here. If you just get a hold of this, it's just gonna, you're going to get all excited. It says, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. See, God did what he did to deal with sin. Because there's one thing that separated man from his creator. And that was sin. And sin only existed because of a law. You, never had, you would never have sin if you never had a law. So to get rid of sin, God had to get rid of law. What? As long as there's a law, there is going to be sin. I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of this before we turn. Verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Turn with me real quickly over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. It says this, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out, everybody say wiped out, the handwriting of the requirements. Uh-oh. There's requirements. There's a handwriting. There's law that's written against you. It says, having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements, that was against us and was contrary to us. Those two words are the, they're not the same word, but they mean the same thing but are applied differently. One is overt and one is covert. One is, it's against us, obviously it's against us. It's on the outside. Covert, everybody know, everybody know what a covert operation is? It's undercover. It's on the inside. It's subtle. It sneaks up on you. See, it's, obviously it's against us, but it's also covert against us. You understand? The same meaning, two different words mean the same thing, but applied differently. So what was the handwritings of the requirements? They were against us and that they were contrary to us. Take, uh, let me just read what it says here. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it. Everybody say it. Out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. What was nailed to the cross? The law. The law of sin and death and all the laws underneath it, that whole suit in a deck of cards was nailed to the cross and taken out of our way because it says in 2 Corinthians verse 14 that Jesus is our peace who broke down the middle wall of separation because the wall or the, what, what's a wall made out of? Stones. What was written on tablets of? And a, law, a wall is made up of many stones. And so law brings a separation. There was literally a wall in the temple that Gentiles couldn't go beyond. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't. It separated them from the rest. Jesus broke down that wall of separation because law separates just like the one in the garden separated God from Adam. That law, so Jesus broke down the middle wall God in Christ Jesus nailed fulfilled the law nailing it to the cross taking it out of our way so we now can be children of God not creations we're children living in promises having the ability to walk and be fulfilled so we did all that so you can see with Jesus coming in to the eastern gate all of creation was waiting for this. You see the movie now? How we started here and went back here, came back again. Picking right up where we left off. Jesus coming in, fulfilling the very Lamb, having the, all the sins of the world placed upon Him. All of creation, all of history, all of mankind waited for this one moment. God promised it over here. Over here, He promised the whole world. He promised the atoms. 
He promised the trees, the herbs of the field. He promised mankind, all of his creation, that a seed would come and put this under his feet. He set aside, he overcame the law of sin and death and ushered in a new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. See, that's why back in Romans, Romans chapter 8, Verse 31. Romans chapter 8. What then shall... We're just going to read the rest of the chapter for your... What then shall we say to these things? If God is... Who? It don't matter. It don't matter. Next verse. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Uh-oh. We're his elect. We're his children. Watch this. i got to read it out of here. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded... Everybody read this with me. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of my Father God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is your Father and nothing... No law, no creature, no tornado, nothing created, nothing seen or unseen, nothing will separate you from the love of your Father, God, because you're not His special people. You are His beloved children in which He put His Spirit inside of you that cries out, Abba, Father. <laughs> nothing will separate. Everybody say, nothing. Nothing will separate you. No law will ever separate you. And when I say no law, I'm saying no sin. Because the law gives power to sin. You never would have had a sin if there wouldn't have been a law. So if there's no law that will separate you, there's no sin that will take you away from him either. Come on. 
You're free to be loved. You're free to serve. You're free to be his child, to walk in victory, to be an overcomer, to turn your back on man and turn your face to God. Why do we pray like this? This is how Adam prayed. He started out praying like this. What fruit? How do you pick fruit trees? Y'all didn't get that. I might, I might have to. Adam was told to eat the fruit of the trees. Where does fruit come from? Apples. Little bit trees. He got his substance this way. Is a reminder. Oh, thank you. After the curse, he was supposed to till the. And we pray like this now. Bow our heads, close our eyes. Over here in history, David, who knew something about the new covenant, he said, I'll lift my head and raise my hands. And after, then everybody went back to this again. And Jesus at Calvary, what did he do? He lifted his hands and turned his face. This is how we should be praying pray in church. A sonship. Thanking him for all that he's already done. Everything that pertains to life and God has already been given to you. There is nothing that will separate you because Jesus did this. All of time and eternity were waiting on Jesus to do this for you. Because God was at war, not with man, but with sin. And so he said, it is finished. All hostilities are over. God is not mad at you no more. Now he loves you. He has given us the ace of hearts for us to live under and abide by. Man, throw away the ace of clubs. Amen? Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Oh, church, we just need to understand the big picture. It's just not about Jesus, Palm Sunday, and some branches being... Listen, I wish there was a way I could convey how you think the world turns on its axis. The axis turns on this event. You understand what I'm saying? The axis of the earth turns on this event Jesus coming in being heralded as the lamb which is to be slain for all man's sin the whole picture of the priest going over the lamb at the same time the Romans are inspecting the lamb hmm at the same time, the priest saying, it is finished. Jesus saying, it is finished. Because he, he said, it is finished. We just need to turn our back on man. And turn our face back to God, our Father.